0: A podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Keith Foster. I write the comic Kadoja and review
1: horror on my blog keithrfoster.com. And I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanderers of Melisanda for The Accidental Aliens.
0: Yeah, and technology tried to fight us, but we, well, fight me. But uh, But I can't be denied. So here we are the audio probably sounds a little bit different on my end because i went to a plan b microphone and i will work on that in the week in between these episodes but that's not your problem listeners so scott you go first man uh, what was the first thing you did this week well it might be their problem cuz they're going to have to listen to it so let's hope they're going to have to they're going to have to deal with my, <laughs> my subpar shit i will let people know actually you can kind of see it scott so like yeah. because i'm an audio junkie the microphone I'm using right now is a mic we used in the field for a while ago, right? It's the one that's real sensitive and picks up stuff. And what I didn't like was, because my main microphone setup's not working, I tested it, listened back, and found that it was way too echoey. Because again, this mic's way more sensitive. So what I did was, what you see here, you see some kind of like shroud to my right on the screen, right? What that is, is that is a, a, a heavy metal t-shirt quilt. That is draped over a super seven Boba Fett because I just wanted to get a, basically a sound baffle behind this to catch the echo. So, you know, audio nerdery for people out there. If you don't care, if you ever feel like your mic's too echoey, put a pillow right behind it if you can. That'll, that'll dampen a lot of the sound right behind the mic. So yeah, I mean, I've learned that. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of producer crap that I kind of learned makeshift back in the day. Um, I think to give an example, I think Snoop Dogg one time recorded vocals uh, to one of his albums actually in his own closet because they just stuck a mic in with all the fur coats, if I remember (laughs) right. And uh, boy, what a, what a, what a great sound dampener that is. So anyway, I think this is going to sound a little bit better. Hopefully it's not too echoey. We're going to keep rolling, though. So go
1: ahead, man. Right on, man. Um, you know, honestly, it wasn't a huge week of things. It was kind of one of those clusterfuckery weeks where life gets in the way. So for you creators out there, that's going to happen. You're not going to have the most productive week every week. Uh, I've just, I'm have just i getting hit with tons of stuff from every which angle. And um, uh, But I will say I did start the commission that I have been putting off for a little bit uh, while I was finishing up the second shift 10 and honestly, it was quite difficult. Uh, my first layout, it was not good at all. I didn't enjoy it. I'm still going to send it to the commissioner's way, And um, uh, but I have a second one that I'm working on, and that's coming out way better. I'm tackling it from a completely different angle. Like, one was kind of a top-down, uh, a bit of a top-down view, not not completely, but um, at that angle, at that pitch, and then uh, I decided to go the other way. I went from a floor eyes view, and that's uh, producing something way different, and I think it's going to be a little bit more exciting visually.
0: Okay, so this is the gaggle of mermaids, right?
1: Yes, yes. Oh, okay. and okay. so I've, I've gone back, and I've looked up the emails, and apparently he calls them a pod. It's a pod of mermaids. So... Well,
0: my, my, my iPad's sitting on the College Dictionary this week, so I can't even look that up. <laughs> I'm just going to go with it. But yeah, yeah. And I think, by the way, to correct something from last week to stat boy, I think a Google is a one followed by a hundred zeros. I think that's the technical term oh. for the word Google. I thought about that while I was listening back through the editing. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Okay, so so the here's what I'm curious about. For the first commission that didn't work, um, how high above the ground level was your camera?
1: Okay. So I would say if you're taking a selfie... And you get a high angle. Like, you lift it up above your head. Yep. Yeah. If You lift it up. Uh, what is that? A 45 degree angle?
0: Yeah, roughly. Yeah. That's
1: what I just did. So, it's about a 45 degree angle, but not as close as a selfie. So, that same angle, but a, a bit a ways. And okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I was like, nah, I don't think this is what he's looking for. There's, there's no uh dynacism Dyna- dynasticism i don't know
0: Dy-mac- dy- dynamicism
1: dynamic something like that yeah
0: i don't think it's dynasticism i think that's invoking the word dynasty but again see look at this we're fucking three minutes in and i need my dictionary twice there it is it's, it's right here it's the the eye so is sitting on it goddammit. it yeah so yeah. close yet yeah, so t- far t- away t- exactly just taunting me
1: yeah so i thought this angle that i'm tackling it from the ground eyes view is uh, much better it just yeah it's it's more intriguing to look at and i don't think i've done a piece for him at this angle so uh changing it up you know it's just like okay this is a lot more characters that i'm used to doing for him but it's also a different angle so uh, why not
0: okay does that mean a lot of scales that is what it would mean right
1: yeah yeah it's at a different scale <laughs> no, I mean, I mean your favorite thing. I oh, mean I know. drawing scales. I was, I was yeah, doing yeah, a little yeah, word yeah. play there for the audience. Right. Yeah. So that was my first thing. I got a lot of little things. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to listen to you, but I'm also going to think how to uh, pair this other stuff. Cause it's just a bunch of scattered stuff overall, but we got some other stuff coming up at the end too. Got some, uh, yeah. some feedback and uh, a question from a fan. So we'll tackle that towards the end. Okay,
0: cool. Cool. So for my first thing, it's kind of a meandering thing, and it incorporates a few other, uh, something that we talked about last week, actually. The, the first thing is really, like, the, the rush and panic of getting Kadoja PDF for Volume 3 taken care of. Yeah, when we let off last week, you had actually given me a tip that proved to be valuable. So you're going you're gonna to get a couple shouts here. Uh, the first one was, right after we talked, I found out that you can, in fact, cut and paste um, Illustrator balloons right into Photoshop. They go as a pixelated file, I think, but they work great. So um, so I was able, that was able to save a ton of time, obviously, because I'm just cutting, and pasting, and then kind of drag, expanding, or contracting a, uh, a balloon. But I was able to finish the lettering, you know, a few days after we recorded. Um, and then the other thing I did was, I before my trial of Illustrator expired, I actually created three, I think three, maybe four, um photoshop files of nothing but blank balloons Mm. and uh and as i mentioned last week the cool thing is if you drag and drop them you now have like edible editable balloons that you can just move around as you need but again the the other thing I, i i mentioned last week and i want to mention again is your ability like what you actually have with those balloons is three times the balloons technically four if you really want to think about it Because you can have your balloons, and then what you can do is you can actually flip them horizontal and flip them vertical. So you have a mirror image left and right and a mirror image up and down. So every sheet of balloons, if you create sheets of balloons like you would like an old sticker sheet, that's four in one. And uh, that came handy a lot because it would be like, well, I need something of a certain design, but with the arrow in the top left because I don't really fill in my balloons, I'm just using other ones. And uh, you know, sure enough, I was able to get everything I needed. Um, So yeah, man, that, that worked out really well. And that was just like the first bit, and since you kind of have some things you're gonna jam together, I'll go ahead and jam this together. What I found out is that I need to amend my answer to our awesome conversation we had last week about deciding what you want to do for the master edition of your book. You know, and um, so again, we had this this really cool conversation last week about making changes, not making changes. And in listening back as I was editing them, of course, with the wisdom of actually going through it myself, what I realized is that my answer was solely from a fan perspective. And uh, because when you think about it, you know, I brought up Star Wars. I brought up infinite Kung Fu. I brought up a couple other things. And the way I was always thinking about it. So I'll still stand by, like, my cross-genre comparisons. Movies, music, etc. But where I made the mistake is that I thought about them as a fan. Not necessarily as a creator. And so, as a fan, when I think back on so many of these things, there are very few changes where I thought, ooh, that's a cool change, that's pretty interesting. You know, the originals were fine. I, I I think it's as interesting that the creators decided they wanted to change it as the change itself um, so anyway but now that I was going through it as a creator it turned out that there were some things that I wanted to change for issue one and I had the opportunity to change for issue one because a I only printed a hundred issues and b, only a very few of those issues have made their way out into the world w- where that leaves me is um, is that I was able to make some changes and I did make those changes and as a result I feel better about the overall product that's going to go out for volume three. And so now that I think about it as a creator, I totally see your perspective. There's a difference between something that comes out in the moment and something that you want to be the standing piece of culture.
1: Yeah, and that's that's what comes into play is you as the creator. So I think something that you had mentioned uh, last week, and you mentioned just right now, was like, as a fan, you see things, you go, yeah, it was fine the way it was, but... And that's you as a fan that feels that way, but every time the creator feels it, you you feel a negative way about it. And so there's a way to, to fix that for both of us. So when you create the new panel, you change this dialogue or whatever, uh the fan will more than likely go, Yeah, that's just as good as the other one. But at least now both of you guys are happy. You as the fan are happy yeah. and us as the creator are happy. So
0: Yep, yeah. Yep, yeah, if you Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. If you use the overall happiness equation, then the fan is ambiguous or ambivalent is the phrase I'm going for there. The fan is ambivalent and the creator is way happier. So it's a net, it's a net gain, you know? So, so as a result, um, I did make a few changes. I'm pleased with the changes and I actually, it's funny because I sent the, the PDF off to Mike and, um, and then what I realized is that, there was something else I still wanted to do. I still wanted to get the okay from Lance, Lance Pilgrim, because Lance Pilgrim hasn't really read um, Volume 3. So I wanted him to take a look at the PDF and uh, and give me some feedback. And uh, he gave me that feedback today, actually, which was very helpful. And the nice thing is that while I would have been okay having the PDF that I sent Mike go out into the world for, like, review copies, I mean... To me, a review copy is a review copy. If someone makes a change between the review copy and the final copy, big freaking deal. Again, I'm not Marvel Comics. I don't have th- these things made six months in advance. It, it's gonna, it might go through some changes. But the nice thing is that Mike did not, in fact, send it out to any press or media. And, uh, and we still have time, obviously, to get, get it in people's hands digitally before it hits the newsstands or the, the comic shop stands in August. But I'm, I'm now able to get some of these changes in over the next day or two, make do that work, make those changes, and then send Mike the final thing. So um, everything's working out really well. Um, you know, Lance basically came back with some small feedback and just went from there. I'm going to end up with a tighter PDF as a result. And more importantly, I was able to get some other people's opinions on it and feel better about the product myself because I just got that extra little bit of opinion at the end there. So so yeah, man, it's, it's good.
1: That's awesome, man. Uh, to get those little little comments, those little tweaks and or even just looks good, you know? It's just like okay, there's a, there's a confidence there when you put it out into the world and you feel better about it. So that's I'm glad to hear.
0: Yeah. Here, let me let me interrupt and let me interrupt yeah. and mention. What, what do we what do we got today? I'm, I'm what sure. do you
1: Oh that's this, that's cool looking. This beer
0: is called uh let me see it's called Evangelian eighteen something. I don't know, but but it's by one of my favorite breweries. It's by Adroit Theory in Virginia. That's a badass can. Dude, they are metal as fuck. Uh, they have, if you can see here, they have uh, pairings for their beer. Oh. And You may not be able to read them, but there's a food pairing, there's a cheese pairing, there's a cigar pairing, and there's a music pairing. And the music pairing here is the album Evangelion or song Evangelion. I'm not sure by Behemoth, a Polish death
1: metal band. Right
0: on. So you know that's how they're rolling.
1: Yeah. Hold that. Uh, hold that art up to the the screen here. I'll screen cap it. Bam. Cool. And then I'll post that up when this episode comes out.
0: Yeah, it's metal as hell. It is 10% alcohol because I wanted something to hit. Uh, I still got still got a little ways to go here, but this
1: bad boy is very enjoyable. How about you? Um, I am going to stay on brand this week, and I am doing my Kirkland Signature Hard Seltzer. Um, I'm meeting my girlfriend's parents this weekend. Yeah, so I got a, <laughs> I, I put some LBs on over my road trip, and so I'm... I'm kind of trying to you know, trim down as much as I can in a week. And so these things are only a hundred calories, so that's that's what we're doing today. Next week, I will gotcha. join you in more of a delicious beverage. I got some nice beers, I've got some friends from friends for my birthday. And so I'm looking forward to trying those out.
0: Nice. And when we get to the end of the podcast, we are going to talk about your trip. I figured we'll save
1: that for last. Yeah. And so we can talk a little bit, bit about. Oh your trip man. Last oh. Because I'm
0: I'm excited to hear about.
1: Well, it. Well, now that yeah. now that you say that, I have so much more to talk about. I was like, oh, I don't have really that many things, but comic wise for this trip, definitely a lot to talk about. Okay. Hell
0: yeah, man. Oh. All right, let's let's get it. Okay. What you got for number two? Um,
1: did I talk to you? in the audience about corner boxes. Did I did I mention that a couple of weeks ago? No? I don't remember it. Okay. And then you just did the editing. So if you didn't remember it, then I must have not talked about it. Um, and that, yeah, I don't remember it. It might have also been the product of insomnia. So insomnia hit again. My, my uh, long-standing friend, we've been roommates for quite a while now. And so I woke up at my standard 3 a.m., and couldn't get back to sleep for an hour and a half so picked up my ipad and started drawing corner boxes old school marvel style corner boxes i did some uh, of those x-men style floating heads so i did that for the second shift and i also did uh, more of an action shot or like getting ready for action shot with one of my characters switch and uh, yeah those were really fun they came out really nice and tight i looked at them the next day with uh, I don't know if fresh eyes is the correct way to think about it but not a 4 a.m. view of a drawing mm-hmm. and it looked pretty solid and so I did that a, a couple of weeks ago and I was just I, I was going through my iPad and kind of like getting rid of files that I finished and I came across those and I was like oh I completely forgot I did those <laughs> so let me let me talk mm. about that. Um yeah so yeah. what are your opinion on those do you like those those old school corner boxes uh, so
0: my my first question was going to be can you explain a corner box to me so i can understand what it is
1: yeah you don't remember um um like back in the day like it it would say marvel on the top and then right under it would be a picture of the character or characters in that story and then under it would be the price ca-
0: or um uh, uh oh you mean like the classic, so you're talking about a corner box it left? in the top, top left. left corner of a comic. Yes, The X-Men were known for it because you'd see a little Wolverine head, Cyclops head, etc. Exactly. Oh, those are fucking badass, man. I think that that thing, those are one of those things that when you do it, it's, a, it's an easy signifier of retro old school cool when it comes to comics, right? It immediately makes me think of the 70s and 80s.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, I woke up uh, in the middle of the night, and I had I had been dabbling with the idea of doing them, and so I, I banged out a few of them. And uh, yeah, so you could see here, like this is an old school X Men. This is more of a team shot. Yeah. Yes.
0: Exactly. That's not even a headshot. That's like them all like running into action. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, oh, here hey, we go. what, what issue go. was that? Just
0: so people can look at it if they want. What what issue was um, that? The that first you just one,
1: 165. This one is. 158, and this, I believe, this is X Men number
0: 158.
1: Yeah, yeah, Uncanny X Men 158, and I believe this is the first appearance of Rogue in X Men. And she was, <laughs> oh boy, yeah, she's a villain, and uh, yeah, so that one has a cool. How corner- dare you not slab that? I'm just kidding, I fucking <laughs> hate slabs. Uh, it, it's so expensive, and honestly, like. The further back they go, the more complicated it is to slab them. It's like a percentage of how old it is or some shit. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm not dealing with that. And uh, I just don't want to forget it.
0: Dude, I I saw that you have you have a comic uh, that you keep displayed. That's a 1.0 because it's older. You know
1: what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like,
0: I mean, I I get slabbing. But the problem is, like, comics are meant to be read. Have we talked about this before?
1: well, Well, let me let me stop you real quick. Let's not bury the lead on that. The The comic that Keith is talking about, that slab, that's a 1.5 or 1.0, is... I thought it was a 1.0. 1.0, is giant size X-Men number one signed by Stanley. And that sits yeah. nice and comfortably under my TV along with... Um, I used to have X-Men number one signed by Stanley under there as well. But I was like, I don't think I should have this out here where it could be directly in the sunlight and potentially fade and fade and fade so i, I put that away yeah. and i replaced it with uh x-men number four which is the first appearance of quicksilver and scarlet witch and then uh wandavision hits and that thing blows up and i'm like holy shit okay the, well this is another cool one to have under here i just didn't know what to put under there and and so that turned out to exactly. be a good one
0: I'm, gonna, I'm and i'm gonna store x-men number four in a goddamn uh, uh what's it called A fucking uh, wine cooler like the one I have downstairs for my stouts (laughs) right you're gonna keep that at a nice climate-controlled 62 for the rest of its life
1: god damn right so anyway oh I seen a cool video where a guy was giving a tour of his comic room and he had moved into a place that had a a wine a wine closet uh, essentially and they had one of those temperature-controlled things in there as well and I was like dude that's it's so picture-perfect it was pretty badass
0: yeah yeah my girlfriend i'm with you i'm with you my
1: girlfriend wonders why i do not have x-men number one in a few of my books in like a lockbox
0: yeah i mean because comic collecting is fun that's why you know i
1: mean i suppose
0: that's that's why i'm anti-slab you know like there are so many things out there that we collect that you simply look at and consider comics can be read you know, records can be listened to and comics can be read. That's that's what's the best part. Anyway, to get back on topic here, Scott was just holding up another comic, which is X-Men 133, which okay. is your more traditional uh, corner box with the X-Men heads in it. So if anybody wants to take a look and actually see what that means, if, if they're not sure, X-Men 158 and X-Men 133 are fantastic examples of that. I'm sure you can find an image of that with any Google search online.
1: Yeah, what, what's cool about those, and what I'm going to start using those with, I'm going to find a nice balance on the like, the artistry of the cover, right? Like, I don't want it to look too clustery. Sometimes there's something about the art and the composition on the art from the cover that you don't want to bog it down with too much stuff. So I'm trying to find the balance using those corner boxes. Um, what's cool about those old X-Men comics is they just swap out heads for whoever the characters are in the story. And I really love that. So I'm going to be doing that for like extra characters, like, uh, you know, side characters. Uh, I'm going to start putting them in the corner boxes, just swapping the heads out. So it's going to be super cool. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. To answer your question, though, about slabbed, not slabbed comics being read, I agree. But my answer to this is because Travis has sent this, said the same thing to me. He goes, I don't like slabs. I'm meant to read them, I like to smell them, I like to do this, like, and he goes, well, how are you supposed to read it? I'm like, a PDF, digital PDF, or a collection? Like, I'm not a monster, like, like, I don't know, man, the idea of spending, and I'll just tell you guys what I spent on X-Men number one, $3,550, like, to touch a $3,550 comic with my greasy hands, like, are you insane? Like, that's crazy to me, so, with that said, it's nice and safely protected, By this plastic and i have read x-men number one uh i had a, a hardcover collection of it so it's read it's fine i don't need to read this specific copy like it's it's good to go
0: yeah i don't know
1: i i i think i was talking
0: with uh with a person that i've mentioned before on this podcast and i haven't mentioned what her store name is her store is called comic book hideout it is in Fullerton, California. It is my home comic shop. The owner is Glynis, who is just one of the coolest motherfuckers on the planet. And Glynis has talked about this. So her opinion is that the future of comics, in terms of collectibles, are going to be the books that are not slabbed. Because people want to read them. You know, like, I, dude, I get everything you're saying, but like... I don't know, man. Like it's it's weird. I, I agree with you on like eight of your ten points, and yet if I spent that much money on an X Men number one, I want to fucking touch it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And plus, I can. It's mine. <laughs> you know, like when we were uh, when right. I was in Richmond and I went to that cool museum that I mentioned a couple months ago. Now with the Faberge eggs, dude. If I bought a Faberge egg, I would I would toss that thing up and down in the fucking air because I could. You know what I mean? Like I don't care that I paid eleven million dollars for. a faberge egg it's my faberge egg i can do whatever i want with it you know so like i don't know i just think things are meant to be kind of like adored instead of mounted on a wall and considered it who knows man i mean there's there's no right or wrong there's just preference exactly
1: exactly right and and there's and it doesn't have to be all for one one situation it's just like yeah there's plenty of books that i love to open and i got like books that i love that are on my spinner rack and they're not in bags and boards and I just you know grab them off there before I hit the toilet and and they're great to read and that's what those are for you know I have other books that are modern comics that I bust open and flip through and it's not a big deal but there are other things that I like mounted on the wall and I do adore them and I observe them and I stare at them and that's that's the beauty of having the things that I love the most sitting right under my TV because I like Every once yeah. in a while, I stop watching what I'm watching, and I look down and I stare at giant size X Men number one. I stare at my Kareem Abdul Jabbar signed basketball and go, "So fucking mm-hmm. cool, so fucking cool." Yeah, you know. And exactly. and so exactly. you you can have it both ways. You know what I mean? It's like you can have your cake and you can eat it too. I can own X Men number one and I can read it digitally or on a hardcover.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on this topic for a minute too, because uh, as listeners of the podcast will know, a frequent refrain from your boy Keith is that there are a lot of comics that are worth a lot of money that I don't own anymore that I did, right? <laughs> and uh, and either either I sold it for a fraction of what it's currently worth or I sold it for a <laughs> insane fraction of what it's currently worth. And uh, during the week, Scott had actually mentioned, like, hey, man, you still got Secret Wars 3? I was like, no, no, I-, I sold that one off too. It's like, oh, that one's going up in value because Titania, who, by the way, I love in Secret Wars... Um, is rumored or is gonna, getting cast for like the new Hulk film or something? Yeah, like, She-Hulk. Nope. nope, got rid of that. Like I got rid of all of them. Yeah, for the new She-Hulk film. So, but I but I bring this up because you know if it, Look, it's a fun thing to joke about. I think it's funny too. But if I still had my Secret Wars
1: three, you know what I would do with it? Hold on to it. I'd sell it. Oh, you, know, you sell it? Okay. I,
0: yeah. No, I'd sell it. I'd sell it. You know why? Because I have a Marvel Masterworks to your point downstairs of Secret Wars. I have a hardcover uh-huh. Secret Wars and, and it's, and it's the nice thing about the Marvel Masterworks is it's slightly larger than the original comic and they recolored it. So the Marvel Masterworks I have downstairs in my house of Secret Wars three is far superior to the actual Secret Wars three that I used to own. So to your point, Scott, I'm still able to read it. And with a lot of these comics, like, dude, I can just, I can just subscribe to Marvel unlimited for nine bucks a month. If, if you really want to get to that, you know, yeah, but, that's a great deal. and and that's and that's why i don't you know like it's fun to joke about but i don't really care because if i had all these comics back you know what i'd do i just sell them for money so all we're really doing is talking about money now and it reminds me of uh i think was it a line in the it was a line in one of the willy wonka movies and i think it was actually the one good thing in the new willy wonka movie by tim burton which was I, i just why do you remake willy wonka it's it, in a way, it's kind of like my testament argument from last week. Like, what what the fuck got into you that made you think you should remake Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? You know, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with the original film. It's a goddamn classic, right? You know, but um, uh, shit, man, I lost my I, my point. What the fuck was I talking about? Don't worry, I'll edit this out if I can.
1: I don't know. I was just enjoying the Willy Wonka talk. Yeah, you were enjoying the Willy Wonka talk. But what I was, was it? Was about... it about the coloring? Was it the fact that it was like remastered or?
0: Fuck. So you can see that the 10% is starting to take. Oh, shit. I went on a tangent that I can't, that I can't
1: walk back from. <laughs> and let me, yeah, and let, me, let me tell you about Johnny Depp. This motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even care. I don't even. I'm not going
0: to edit out any of this, I don't think. I think I'm just going to keep it and let people know that I, I, in fact, go on all kinds of insane. Oh, I know what it was. It was about money. It was about money. It was that there's a line like they print more money every single day. It's just money, yeah. you know, experiences are what makes life. And I think to that extent, that's why I'm really not that bent about selling my copies of Mad Love copies that I paid a dollar for and turning that dollar for 20 copies into $20 per copy. You know what I mean? Like I took that money, I did something with it and, and life goes on. Um, yes, I could have held on, them, held on to them forever, but it only would have meant a little more money. And that's just more money. Money gets printed every day. You know what I'm saying? So, anyway, go ahead.
1: Yeah, to, uh, to your point, uh, I, I was having dinner with some friends the other day. And my friend, she, she doesn't collect a lot of things, but she holds on to things that she does collect. So, turns out, she had a shitload of Pokemon cards from Generation 1. And her brother was like, hey, let's go, let's go get all of those slabbed. Like, there's slabbing for, for cards. And um, she got a couple of tens back. So those cards that she paid 10 bucks for, they're worth thousands of dollars. <laughs> so she's going to sell them. Yeah. And we're like, holy shit, man. So that's just one of the instances where it's the other way. Um, for me personally, I'm just so – there's something about my collector brain that won't let it go. It's like, um, for instance, the Invincible books, I have a ton of them. I am just recently completed my single-issue run. I've long since read this series. I read the series in hardcovers, but I, the collector in me wants the single issues. I have a ton of extras and doubles that I've gotten over the years, and really, the time to sell it was when the cartoon was out because the prices were skyrocketed. But the collector yeah. in me goes, "No, they're mine," <laughs> and so I
0: won't let yeah. them go.
1: So it's so stupid. Exactly, and
0: yeah. So, so I have two final thoughts about on that because this is this has been a, a fucking fun tangent. Uh, Thing number one is the question I was going to ask you, and I will ask you what, what price will it take for you to part with that X-Men number one or that giant size X-Men? You know what I mean? Like what price
1: will it take? 15 times what you paid 20, 10, five, what? Well, it's already at 20 G's. So it's already worth $20,000 I'd say, but, um, I don't, I don't Mm -hmm. want to get rid of it. And I, and I don't see myself ever selling it. Well, selling it anytime soon like the thing the the time that i will sell it is when i am old it's like well i can use a little money Mm -hmm. or um you know maybe the kid needs needs something you know like i'm old and she needs a down payment for a house or something and so i want to help her out you know something along those lines and uh but that's when i'm gonna sell it I, i don't my boss my boss had mentioned that she goes why don't you sell that and at the time i think it was worth 10 and i said because if I did sell it, what I would buy with that money is X-Men number one.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. And and it's so, yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense. And on a random note, too, I think one of the, the, the mistakes that collectors make is they always think that they're going to go on into the great beyond or the next world or the afterlife or heaven or wherever it is. And that their descendants are going to love and cherish these things the way they do. It, it is not that. No. You know what I mean? Like, so often, people go on to the next phase, whatever that is, or, or pass away, or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and their family just flips their shit for like pennies on the dollar. Absolutely. They don't care. Yes. So, so, you know, like, like for me, if I ever get stuff that's worth something and I'm in that position later, I'm selling it while I'm still on this earth
1: because whoever yes. gets it from me is not going to give a shit about it, you know? And they're not going to know your organizational system. Exactly. 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 I know, I know where all the yeah. expensive, valuable shit is in my collection. So I thought about this very thing. I was like, well, you know, if I die, Mars can sell my books for me or whatever. And I'm like, wait, she's, she's, there's so many books. She's not going to even know where to start. And like you said, it's the collection's going to get sold for a fraction of what it's worth. So might as well just do it while you're still here. um, Get what it's really worth. And then you can, you know, leave your will and Testament. Like, okay, you get this many thousand, you get this many thousand and whatever I'm out, you know? So easiest way to do it.
0: Yeah, exactly. and, and collectors are scumbags. Was it was it Gary Hodges that actually sent you and I the uh, the famous deleted scene from High Fidelity, where John Cusack yeah. goes over to Beverly D'Angelo's house and she's pissed at her husband because he's cheating on her, and she sells his collection, which is worth you know theoretically like hundreds of thousands of dollars, and she's like, I'll sell you it all for twenty bucks or some or fifty bucks. He's like, I can't do. Yeah, it, fifty you know? bucks. And we yeah. were saying. If we're we're like, dude, I'd pay that fifty and get the fuck out of there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yep. that's just how people are, you know. And and I get it. We like bargains as collectors. But um, but the final thing I wanted to mention on this on this on this tangent is uh, since we're here, while I always talk about the comics that are worth money that I gave away, something I never mention is the fact that one thing that things I have never given away is anything that holds some kind of serious sentimental value to me. Right, And um, on my previous podcast, The Vinyl Exam, we had a guest on, and we kind of did a podcast swap. And the guy said, what are your house on fire records, to use the phrase, right? So a theoretical case where everyone is safe, but your house is on fire, and you can only run back into this house to save five records, okay? What are the five records you look for first? And for me, the number one answer is a copy of the Ace Freely Kiss solo record that I have. I have not gotten rid of that shit. That that is from nineteen seventy eight. If you look at the poster or somewhere inside, you see my stupid ass as like a seven year old signing mimicking Ace Freely's signature. It is horrible. Mm-hmm. And it is got and it and it is why I love it. And the best part is, for kiss nerds out there, they know the solo albums all came with one poster that created an interlocking set of four. And a couple of years ago, which I'll tell this story on the podcast someday. Um I got Ace Freely to sign that poster. Oh wow. So that is that is that is the record I go for first in terms of like if, if you said Keith, you gotta get rid of every record in your collection but one, I'm keeping Ace Freely, right? Because that's the one that means the most to me, you know. And so for me, to your point, when I look around and I look around my room and I look at like, you know, I don't know, that Thanos over there on the on the thing, or I look over here at these things. I look at that and I say, "Oh, I remember when I did that. It has a personal attachment to me. That's why I like having it." You know, so yeah. I mean, I think that's part of the fun of collecting too. You collect what matters to you, mm-hmm. and then if you're if you're an uber nerd, you surround yourself with it so you can just like look around and be like, "Yeah, man, this this stuff's cool. I'm glad I am glad I collected this." You yeah, know? absolutely. So anyway, yeah. Um, all right. So so I think we
1: where we where we left our heroes. Is that Keith was about to talk about his second thing. Did did I even do my second thing? You did. You did, did I do anything? my second thing? Okay. Well what was
0: your second thing? Let's do a quick
1: Oh quick, oh quick yeah, re-watch. yeah, yeah. It was the it was the corner boxes. It was the corner boxes. So yeah, go for it. Yeah.
0: Here's to tangents and alcohol. <laughs> a- again, pe- people listening are just like, I am so glad these guys are back <laughs> drinking again. <laughs> Because, again, just to refresh, we had one week where we purposely detoxed, and then one week where, at least me, I sort of accidentally detoxed because we recorded at, like, 10.30 at night. Yeah, same. And, like, dude, I'm not not drinking at 10.30 at night, man. I'm already past my damn bedtime. Nope. You know? So, anyway. Okay, so thing number two that I want to talk about, this is going to be three things total for me, is... is I had a super cool conversation and I, and I have to be secretive about it, but I'm really excited about it. Is that um, in the spirit? So I mentioned in the, in my first thing that I sent the PDF of Kadoja Volume Three to Lance Pilgrim, who is one of kind of like the partners in crime with with the comics that I do, and um, and as as listeners of the podcast are aware, I have sent off three protectors, the other one of the other comics I'm working on to Mike for review. And I'm waiting to hear back from him. And I realized at the same time I had not sent it to Lance and Lance and I are working with a cover artist on three protectors and this cover artist had been so patient and he's been willing to work with us and he's kind of learning from us and he's learning covers and we're learning from him. And he really has, he, like this cover is coming along well, but I realized that in the process of all this cover stuff that Lance is helping me with and giving me his like art brain is that I, I haven't given him the revised PDF. So I sent that to him today. And he came back to me with some ideas on like, hey, man, I want to talk to you a little bit about the PDF. And a couple of the things were like surface things like he's a he's a even even bigger font nerd than I am. So he talked to me about like changing some fonts in some of the um, the pages that are that are kind of like a bit of exposition. But then I again, Scott, I'll tell you after we stop recording. But he said a really cool idea that I am so excited to go with with the visual direction of the book. So all I can say is I love it. I actually then, after I talked to him, I called up Mike and I said, hey, this is the visual direction I want to go with in the book. And he's like, dude, that sounds super cool. And so we're ready to go with it. And now all I need to do is get Mike to okay the editorial content, the, you know, the dialogue, the scenes, how it flows, the story. Remember that we're on our seventh version of this. So I think we're really close, even if there's something slightly off. At least that's what I'm hoping. I don't want to get burned again because I thought that about my novel and I was wrong. But um, <laughs> but I, I, what, I, what I think is we're going to get this back, we're going to be ready to go, and then Lance is going to put his treatment on it, and then we are going to be ready to roll, son, and then it's time to actually introduce this book to the world, and I just, I just can't wait, man. I'm really excited. So, again, I'll tell you about it offline, but, um, and as we get closer to it, then, uh, then, of course, I'll share it with the listeners as well. But anyway, really right excited. It, it, it takes everything I liked about Three Protectors and kicks it up a notch and i couldn't be happier for for the suggestion he made so i'm i'm really psyched about it but that was my second thing i sort of have a third thing but let's get back to you
1: yeah that sounds great man it's like your enthusiasm for this uh particular thing he thought of in direction it's you you sound super enthused i honestly that's the most enthused i think i've ever heard you talk about a, a, a one of your books so you look you look jazzed visually too so yeah i'm, yeah, I'm very interested yeah, yeah. in hearing about I'm, that. I'm
0: smiling like an idiot right now so again I'll, I'll i'll tell you about it later but i'm really excited about it
1: yeah when you get that thing that motivates you and wants you to create it's just it's such a wonderful feeling um yeah okay so I'm going to just breeze through this. Um, So I got the last pages of uh, the last page of flats back. It was that the last page of the book that I drew for second shift number 10. And uh, so my flatter banged that out. I gave him a little extra because it was pretty complicated page. Um, And my my printer contacted me and he goes, hey, do you want me to send these books out or am I waiting? And uh, so since we're waiting on my my Kickstarter exclusive cover artist, I told him, you know what? No clue when that's coming Mm -hmm. in send them over. I'm going to I so I'm going to do my damnedest to get the uh the standard editions out to the Kickstarter backers who bought that tier. And um yeah, man, it's just like I'm going to be late unfortunately. It's not under my control, but I'm going to be on time what I can be on time with, you know. So for me yeah. to just sit back and go, "Well, hey, uh, you know, this isn't my fault, so everyone's got to wait." It's just like, "No, there's some stuff you can do. Um, finish get yeah. get those those books out to the people that got the regular edition and that liked your cover and said, hey man, that that's good enough for me. I like that one. So um, you know yeah. get get that out to them, reward them, and and get their books on time. Uh, yeah. So those are, those are my last two couple of things. And how many more things do you nice. got? Because I have, I have the um, the listener mail. Uh, email. Yeah. But I also have some yeah. pet peeves. I was I was looking through my collection. I was doing a little organization and I have some pet peeves that I wanted to throw at our listeners. If you are a creator out there, these are things that I think, these are things that bother me. So you probably should keep them in mind when you're creating your book.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I love the pet peeves idea because it's going to dovetail nicely with my third thing, which is actually, I wanted to talk about two things that I have observed in my reading, that I wanted to mention to the people out there that are writers. Oh. So why don't we do my writer things, and then we can go into your pet peeves, and then maybe we save the listener question for next week because I want to talk about your trip, man. Let's let's do. Oh, that.
1: okay, okay, sounds good.
0: Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so I want to talk about two writer things that I came across, and I'm gonna gonna do my best to either kind of hide the source or um, or switch things up a little bit so it's not as obvious about the source. But there were two things that I came across in reading stuff. And again, we, we talk about this every day or every podcast. Read every day. Read something every day. You know, I now read two comics every day with my coffee. I love starting my day with that. It's such a great way to start my day. Um, and keep on absorbing and reading and finding all that great content out there because there's so much good stuff out there, man. And even if it's bad, you're going to learn something from it unless it royally sucks. Then you're going to learn nothing from it and you should just put it down, you know. But um, the first thing I wanted to talk about is that I was I was reading a book and, and you know, this is where you get the difference between author intent and how it's executed. And what I can tell is while this, while this novel was pretty nice, I get the feeling that the person probably went through an independent channel and didn't quite get the right feedback on it. Because what he did was he put a refrain where the the lead character's ex-wife was nothing but comic relief at least eight times in the novel, if not ten. So the story would be going on, the story would be going on, his phone would ring, and then he'd he'd basically pick up and he would refer to the ex-wife by his derogatory name for the ex-wife. He would say, hello, derogatory name. And then because he could see it on his caller ID. And then, the co- and then the conversation would go the exact same way every time. You son of a bitch, who are you sleeping with? Because this was taking place about 20 years ago when divorces weren't quite the cut and dry formula they are now. This guy did this at least eight times through the novel, if not 10. It was the exact same conversation every time. It led nowhere. It was either an attempt at humor or the author's attempt at character assassination of his own ex-wife. You know, like, I'm not sure where it went, but, like, I bring it up because by the third time I found it annoying because I knew nothing else was going to change. It was going to be the exact same conversation. Nothing ever became of it. It was just nothing but what the author, again, either meant to kind of stick it to somebody or was, a, was an attempt at humor that ended up being misguided for how often it came up. It, it furthered nothing. So I wanted to bring that up just not because I think people are going to try to like, you know, do a character assassination of their ex in, in, a, in a work of, of art, but because it's like be mindful at the things that you're putting in there for attempted humor and how often you bring them up. Because even if you're putting the, them in there for attempted humor, they probably need to have a larger purpose in your story than just the same refrain for attempted humor. You know, so anyway, that was the first thing I wanted to mention. Um, the second thing I wanted to mention comes from a comic book, and um, I'm I'm going to create my own phrase for this. I'm going to create the phrase. I'm going to call it apparition, right? In that something just kind of appears out of nowhere. And I was reading a comic, and I got a few issues through the comic, and I realized that the comic was doing this somewhat for the first couple issues. And there was a big bombshell at the end of, like, let's go with, like, the fourth or fifth issue, where a lot of this stuff happens. You go through four or five issues with these lead characters, and then all of a sudden, this big bomb drop revelation happens. And it's like, oh, did I forget to mention that blah, blah, blah? And, um, and again, to unpack a little bit of, like, writing stuff there. Okay, what's the problem about this is we're, we're talking about withholding and when i say withholding it is obviously withholding information from the reader for benefit of like gotcha bitch right like that's kind of what you're going for right and what this comic repeatedly did was have something happen where it was like oh did i not mention this oh did i not mention that which is usually okay right like that's okay If Again, and we're going to talk about narrators for a second. I hope I'm not bouncing around too fast. But the person narrating this story is actually narrating the entire story from a point in the future at the end of the story. So the person who is the narrator has knowledge of everything that happened in this story as they are telling it. And what they are doing is they are telling the story in a certain linear way as if it is happening in real time and you don't know everything and then dropping bombs on you, okay? That's sort of not fair, right? Because this person knew all along that this thing was coming and was waiting for, like, a key moment to tell you something, you know? So, like, while that is, in fact, a matter of personal preference, to me, it comes off cheap, you know, in that, like, You, you had, you had five issues to tell me this and you waited for like this moment, this moment to tell me, Oh, that's right. This thing happened. You know what I mean? Um, so anyway, I, I hope that makes sense. But like, in other words, it kind of apparated out of nowhere at, at the time when the author wanted to reveal that bit of information, you know? So what, while everyone is within their own right, To kind of use or not use withholding to to their benefit i think to some extent when you cross a line like that it's it feels a bit cheap right because when you look at it from the perspective of writing the author knew it was there and the protagonist knew it was there and if they both knew it was there well then why are they keeping it from you you know that that's kind of the way i'm looking at it you know like they're just doing it for the purpose of storytelling and i think we've all been in that room with the storyteller where they sort of do that and you feel like dude you told me that now you know what i mean like you could have told me that at the beginning you know there's there's a certain I, uh... art to telling a story yeah but I'll... but i think there's also a certain art to to getting getting so enamored with the idea of the bomb drop that you keep the bomb drop so closely revealed and so cleverly hidden that when you then throw it out at a clever moment, people are kind of like, oh, yeah,
1: okay. Yeah, you really you really kind of hid that from me on purpose, didn't It's like we're dealing with two different things here. There's a difference between movies doing it and comic books doing it. Um, I th- This is a comic book you're talking about, right? Yes, it is.
0: Here, can I, I'll just tell okay. you the name and I'll bleep it out, yeah?
1: Okay, cool. Oh, uh, okay, what issue number? Because I stopped... I
0: canceled my subscription the second I read that. I was just like, I'm out of this book. That was like the last straw. It was a bit too pulling it out of the ass for, you know, for okay. lack of a better way to put it. And if, and if we want to bring this back to Ultra Mega, which I've now read all four issues of, you know, the difference is Ultra Mega set up the rules early. Yeah, shit was going to be crazy from page one in Ultra Mega. Right, when you set up the rules to be a certain way and then you violate the rules, I think that's when you lose readers. Okay. You know, and again, this is this is a great example, right? It's a book that that I think I had great things to say after issue one, but once you get a few issues in you uh, you realize that you know you're you're kind of out on it, and these are the reasons, and they make you feel a little dirty.
1: yeah, th- th- this particular instance, um,' I have read this book and um I wasn't too enthralled with it. and like that reveal it, I know exactly what you're talking about because the main character is the narrator, so sh- it's like she's keeping they are keeping this from you. Like, for no reason at all. Uh, I, I'm i perfectly yeah. fine with that happening in movies. Uh, like, the narrator yeah. keeping stuff from you, that's fine because they're telling a story. It's like... If I'm telling you Keith the story I'm like dude okay i got to tell you about this thing that happened I'm yes. not I'm not telling yes. you the thing that happens till the fucking end dude that's how stories work so totally. that, that's perfectly yes. fine but in comics uh, in this particular instance you are correct it is uh not very cool you
0: bring up a great point
1: even in
0: comics or novels that is that is the way around it you know like if we're talking about like inside baseball writer's edition the way you can get around that is by your hair by having your narrator say something like oh wait I'm getting ahead of myself, right? You know, like that kind of thing, right? Like you can throw those kind of things out there. And there's, there are a couple books out there that I think do a wonderful job of that because it's very natural feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, that was, that was my thing. I hope, I hope that helped people, or at least it's interesting to think about uh, in people's off time.
1: Yeah, definitely. And so that, like, like you said previously, this dovetails into my pet peeves. So yeah, let's get it. Um, so I've recently acquired a ton of dollar books from Midtown Comics. They had some flash sales. I received them. And uh, um, also books from my trip. I picked up some books from my trip. So I, they're books that I own other issues of. They're just like like uh, title fillers. And some of them, it's a fucking nightmare to find the number of the book. I'm like, what issue is this? I can't tell you what fucking issue this is. So please, for the love of God, when you guys are creating your books, don't be too cute with the numbers. Don't fucking do it. Please put it in the top right or left or bottom right or bottom left. Just have it somewhere where someone can find it and clearly. And and, and I, I get it because I have had art and I talked, this, uh, talked about this at the beginning of this episode. Sometimes you want to preserve the composition of of the art right so sometimes it you can't always have it in the top left or the top right or the bottom left bottom right you you have to move it around sometimes that happens but usually those are the key points so don't try to put it in the middle don't don't type it one issue and then write it out the other issue like don't put numbers and then then you know letters the next one like it's inconsistent it does it's not cool to be honest with you every time i've seen it written out on a cover i'm like that just slowed me down from figuring out what issue this was and if I needed it or not. And, and it's just an inconvenience. So that's that's one of the things on the cover. Yeah, man. Uh, make your title legible. Yeah. Make the biz is going off. Yeah, that, yeah. That's right. And let me tell you another thing. No, just... <laughs> um, <laughs> do you, and do you do you agree with that? Do you agree with the number
0: thing yeah i I think i have more of an issue with it actually when people get cute on like uh certain covers and they decide to remove all signifiers of what issue or comic it is entirely as opposed to getting cute by writing it or having it be a number you know i mean just like okay those are the variants or 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 they just withhold the number altogether, and it's like what what the hell man so you're making me open this comic just
1: to figure out shit
0: you know anyway so yeah i'm with you
1: i'm with you yeah um make your title legible it make make sure the audience can read what your book is called. Like, don't make them work too hard for these things. These are these are selling points when your book is on the shelf. So yes, stylistically you want to make it look cool, but make sure that coolness doesn't hamper a sale because everyone's like, what the fuck? What book is this? I don't even understand what this says. And I've seen many a book like that.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make a quick caveat that if for some reason your book actually happens to be about a death metal band, you go for it, right? Because are you familiar Are you familiar with death metal band? I call them like ketchup packet logos, where it looks like you just took a bunch of ketchup packets and chucked them at the wall at 80 miles an hour. And so it's all like, bleh. Do you even know what I'm talking about?
1: I, I've, I've seen titles like that. Yes, I know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, there's a band in death metal circles. Their name is uh, Sanguis Oogabog. And it is the most, I mean, so many of these bands, it's the most unreadable goddamn logo you could possibly see in your life. And, like, in death metal circles, there's a certain charm to that, you know, where it's just like, I can't read what the fuck their logo is. This doesn't make any sense. I have some shirts where my family just stares at them for a while, and they're like... What band is that? And I'm like, oh, it's Blood Incantation. You have to look right here. And they're like, I still don't see Blood Incantation anywhere. (laughs) You know. So anyway, Keith Keith caveat that if for some reason it's a death metal uh, band uh, related comic, I think you're okay.
1: Well, there you go. And then uh, price. Make it easy to find. Make the price easy to find. Those are the three things that you want to do on your covers uh, for the audience. For someone that's coming up to your booth, if you're an indie creator... And they're coming up to your booth. They want to know how much the thing costs. A lot of a lot of comic book fans are introverts. They don't want to have too many conversations. If they can get away with not saying something to you, they might do it. Who knows? Like it, it's all dependent. It's a per person situation, and that's one of those things. Like when I, when I'm working conventions, everything has a price on it because I want that introverted fan. To feel comfortable enough to come up and say, "Oh, I would like this," because they already know how much it costs, and they're handing you money, and and so it's an easy transaction for yeah. them. It's an easy transaction for you. So, uh, title legible, easy to find uh, price, and easy to find number for your edition. So, those are my pet peeves.
0: Can I tell you something funny?
1: Yes, I I, I'm
0: aware of at least two trade paperbacks that violate one of your rules. Mine. <laughs> <laughs> Mine. There's no fucking price on Volume 1 and Volume 2.
1: The number is on the spine, correct?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. The number's on the spine, but we didn't put a price on there. because, Okay. um, yeah, anyway, for, for, for reasons. But uh, just know that for Volume 3, I am, in fact, putting a goddamn price on there. But I just think that's funny. Because I do get that, where people are like, how much is it? Now, generally, the second someone talks to me and asks that, I'm going to tell you, you know? I do feel bad that I might be... Uh,
1: making introvert kind of step outside of their social bounds. But uh, hopefully I haven't lost too many sales over the years because of it. But you have a very niche audience. You know what I mean? If you're into giant monsters, they're going to want to buy the book. So they're going to ask you. Okay. So do you have more stuff? Did you want to do the book recs or do you, uh, um, or we, let's see, we're running at, we're at 103. What do you think? We're,
0: we're so jammed up. We're so, we got so many goodies. So we're going to do book recs next week. And we're going to get to the listener question next week because this week I want you to talk about your trip while the uh, while the iron is still hot for for lack of a better phrase.
1: Okay, so for the audience out there, me and my uh, buddy Ramel and my buddy Ian, we took a road trip up to Utah. And uh, last time, me and Ramel went to uh, Arizona, so we hit a couple of comic shops and record shops out that way. That's kind of mine, Ramel's bag. We we just go to other states and check out things that we dig. And uh, so the first stop was a great selection, lots of books, terrible prices, terrible. I I was so upset with this place because I went in, I found, uh, it was an alphabetical order. I found Savage Dragon half. It was five bucks, very reasonably priced. Um, But I asked him, I said, hey, is this all you have for Savage Dragon? He goes, I just got a collection. He pulls out a hundred issues of Savage Dragon. I needed about 50 of them and i was just like holy shit so i pull all the issues i need i said so how much are these i'm hoping he's going to say cover price or something and he goes i got to price them so this goes back i got to look them up so this goes back to something you said about another comic shop that didn't have prices on their books he he ebayed all of them he checked the price on ebay so he gave me four stacks he goes this is a stack of, these are 8 these are 10 these are 15, these are 20. I picked up three books from him. And honestly, after the fact, I wish I didn't. Because I was like, what'd I just do? I wouldn't have never paid $10 per issue on eBay for those books. I would have never paid a total of $28 for three comic books. There's no way I would have done it. So why did I just do it right here? I was worried that I was gonna leave this trip with no books. So I bit the bullet, I ended up buying three of them. What was gross to me was, He had said, look, yeah, I, you know, I looked under the sold items. These, this is what these books sold for. It's like, dude, but I'm here in your shop right now. You do not have to take pictures of them. You do not have to list them. You do not have to ship them out. And you do not get a fee because you you ship them on eBay. But he was trying to charge me eBay prices. So, uh, you know, I said, fuck them. I'm leaving all these. I do want these three. And uh, I'll take a hundred bags and boards because supplies they're running out i'll take these and because you actually
0: have them yeah exactly
1: yeah because you exactly because you have them and uh so that turned it turns out we were cutting our utah trip short we did a hike a crazy hike it was five miles total up a mountain it was two and a half up two and a half down it's called angels landing in utah look up pictures it's insane um we did it i didn't go to the very peak because you have to go on a tiny trail and like hold these chains to climb up it. And there's that one point where you are three feet from the edge of the cliff. And I said, no, fuck that. I am done. And, uh, uh, you know, an hour and a half later, my buddy Ramel came down. Uh, Me and my buddy Ian were waiting and we we hiked back down. So that, that was our Utah trip. And we ended up deciding to cut it short to go to Las Vegas. We're like, we pretty much did... Yeah, so we pretty much did everything we wanted to do in Utah, and we're like, well, the only thing left to do is go to this dinosaur discovery uh, site. It's called Dinosaur Discovery Site in St. George, Utah. It's super cool. If you guys go there on a Saturday, ask for Keith. Our uh, tour guide was a a volunteer, an older gentleman, and he took us on our own personal tour through the whole site. He was showing us dinosaur tracks and uh, like fragments of... uh, Uh, bones and uh, other things like teeth and whatever so it was super cool super entertaining nice yeah nice i will
0: so first of all what a tasteful tasteful name the other thing is i do think that while i understand it's a um it's a much longer drive i do think you sold yourself short a little bit because salt lake city is the only town worth a damn in utah that's going to have the kind of stuff that you guys want you know what yeah. I mean? I mean, there is a, there's a killer record store there. there. There probably is a killer comic shop there. Um, my buddy, I wish I would have recommended this, although you didn't go there anyway. He says the best sushi he's ever had was in Salt Lake City. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, the, now I'm actually going to go back to Salt Lake City in July. So uh, I'll be able to give a field report there. And look... The Making Comics Podcast is here to deliver all of your travel Utah needs, <laughs> so we're pretty excited about that. We're covering it all. We're Conde Nast, suck it, because we got to cover.
1: I wonder if yeah. the, uh, there's like a Salt Lake Con, right?
0: There is, yeah. It's there's two. There used to be called. Uh, there was one in the. I think there was called. It's like Salt Lake Comic Con, and then there was Fan Expo Salt Lake. Okay. And before before coronavirus, those things used to be like the bomb. You know they were so good. I did. I think I did one, and I had an amazing show there. And people were so excited. It's such a great town for Comic Con. So yeah, that'll be on my list once things fire up in 2022. You know, 2021 is 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 just about everybody jamming in their conventions that they uh, that that they rescheduled because I know for me my conventions start to pick up in September again. In fact, I uh, I found out that I got into Rose City Comic Con, so that oh, is right going on. to launch my con season in september so i'm really excited about that
1: that's awesome man
0: yeah yeah so uh did you have anything about vegas you wanted to talk about
1: yeah so go to uh, dinosaur dinosaur discovery site very cool um something my buddy mentioned was that comic shop was basically the only comic shop in town he's the only show in town so if you want comics you got to go to him so he's charging everyone a premium and he lives on ebay so uh he's doing what he's got to do so um, it's shit if you're there trying to get books from him, but but what are you going to do? He's got the market cornered.
0: Yeah. You'll shop at Midtown Comics. That's what you can do. Yeah, exactly right. Westfield.
1: Exactly <laughs> yeah. right. Uh, go to a completely different town. And <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we traveled down to uh, Vegas. We stayed uh, a night in Vegas and pretty much the whole next day. Oh, almost forgot. There was a great barbecue spot in Utah. Like, it was great. It was called Lonnie's Barbecue. So if you're in St. George, go to Lonnie's Barbecue. It is the shit. Like, we were all blown away with how delicious that that spot was. Um, So we go to Vegas. Dude, so many comic stores in Vegas. It's crazy. Um, uh, Frequently mentioned on the pod, Death suggested Cosmic Comics. Terrible help. He said, I don't know if it's a good shop or not, but it has a lot of blank covers. I said, thanks, Death. That does not help me at all. (laughs) So... Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> I like giving him shit about that. But what I did do, cause there was six in the area. Like if you're staying pretty close to the strip and you're looking for comics, there is about six, six, yeah, six to eight shops just around there. So what I did was I went on Yelp. Yelp is your friend. I looked up cosmic comics. I read the reviews, lots of mention of back issues. And I'm like, this is the spot I'm going to this spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, other, other spots did not have those mentions. So, if you're looking for back issues and a wide selection, hey, and if you do like Blanks Like Death, Cosmic Comics is your spot. Really great place. They actually had invincible single issues. I was blown away um, that they had them, so I got a few of them, a couple that I needed. One that was like a key issue and it was underpriced. I was I was shocked. So, uh, great spot, go there. The second spot that was worth a damn was Alternate Reality Comics. This is a great shop. It's uh, run by, uh, uh, my uh, I almost said my buddy, because uh, his name is Ralph. So that's, that's my best friend's name. And so, yeah, uh, got to meet him. Sweetheart of a guy. Great selection. They actually had 50-cent bins. So I was burning through 50-cent bins, picking up some books there. And uh, someone came in, and they were like, hey, do you have any old comics? And he goes, honestly, not a lot right now. He's like, I got some in, but I'm pricing them right now. They sh- everything should be ready tomorrow. The guy takes off. I happen to look over at the stack that he's pricing. On the top is X-Men number 50, which is the first appearance of Polaris. X-Men 49 is uh, Laura Dane's first appearance, but she becomes Polaris in episode, or issue 50. So I know that cover. It's a Starenko cover. It's burnt into my mind. And I said, oh, Polaris' first appearance. I was like, that's a great book. And a little bit, we're, we're chopping it up. And I say, hey, how much do you want for that book? Just, just curious. I'm like, whenever you got a chance, I know you. And he goes, oh, I'm I'm pricing these right now. I'll do that after. I was like, yeah, yeah, no, no worries. If you don't, if you got time, yes, please check it out. If not, no, no big deal. So he comes over, and he goes, look, it's a little damaged on the bottom here. Um, fifty bucks. And uh, so I was like, okay, right on. So I was, he's like, yeah, you can open it up if you want, and check it out, check out the condition. But I priced <laughs> that book in 2017. For, cause I have a a, a notes section for my X Men books, mm-hmm. and so I had it priced fifty to seventy five dollars in two thousand seventeen. I'm like, it's definitely not worth the same. So I told him right away. I was like, I'll take it. I'm, I'll take this book. Nice. Yeah. At, nice man. After the fact, looked it up. Three hundred dollar book. He he totally hooked it up. Super yeah. su- super sweet guy. Um, crazy. He knew, uh, Jamie from SoCal Comics. I had hmm. met, yeah, he asked us what what uh, our shop was in San Diego. I said SoCal. He goes, "Oh yeah, Jamie's shop." I was like, "Oh, you know Jamie?" And he knew like people that worked there and everything. I was shocked. I was like, "Man, this guy yeah. is guy's so freaking cool." So, uh, yeah, if you're in Vegas, that's the other shop you need to tackle is Alternate Reality Comics.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah. So, that's interesting because it sounded like you ended up kind of salvaging it by hanging out in Vegas for a while. Oh my so gosh, cool. man.
1: I spent $300 on comics nice <laughs> yeah it was nice. nuts oh another spot and this is a little combo spot for you so if you're in, ever in vegas zia records zia records so they're they're essentially kind of like a book off and a suncoast combined um because they have records blu-rays dvds comics toys they have all the video game systems um you sell your stuff to them that's like the book off element to it um so they had some nice comic book sections one spot or because we went to two different ones one had comic book bins. It says if it's marked a certain price, that's what it is. If it's not marked, that means it's a buck. And I'm like, oh, perfect. So I found a ton of dollar books that I needed, including uh, Frank Miller's Ronin number two for a dollar. Mm. Yeah, so I grabbed that. I was like, whoa, it was super cool. Found some Run Filler stuff. The second spot we went to the very next day, unfortunately, had a wider selection overpriced everything was overpriced so they wanted to maximize the dollars so they had someone look up every single issue and price accordingly the problem was Mm. most of their books were damaged so it wasn't worth what they were charging it's like no this isn't worth that because it's beat up um so but i did happen to find a few things that i needed there were some black hammer comics that i liked and those were priced reasonably a dollar 99 i was like okay the cover price is four i'll take these so um yeah man so got some great books spent way too much they had a great time. I loved it.
0: Nice, nice. I'm going to put a little postscript mm-hmm. on Zia because I am familiar with Zia's work. In fact, Zia is not just in Vegas; they are also in Phoenix, oh. and I believe they might even be in Tucson. And to nerd out a little bit, um, the comic that the convention that you and I have tabled at before, and you and I will table at again, and that you and I met the inimitable Gary Hodges at Phoenix, whatever Fan the Fusion. fuck, Phoenix. Yeah, whatever the fuck it's called now, Phoenix something something. Yeah, they change right? it every year. Um, yeah, Zia is a banner sponsor of that. Oh, and they um, and they actually do cool shit where they. I'm trying to think. I think they do unique T-shirts every year just for that Phoenix Comic Con. That's pretty good, so, yeah, man. I love Zia. They're basically like for people out there that, that won't get the chance to go there, they're like the closest thing to what a Tower Records is these days. They got all kinds of shit. They're more used than a Tower Records ever was, because right. Tower was predominantly new. But they have they have a huge section of novels they have a huge section of records of cds of things like that yeah they're they're always a great place to go I, I wouldn't say they're like the best record store in vegas or phoenix but they're the second best in both places and they're a wonderful place to go to hang out because they have everything man they have old nintendo games they have they have old toys they have like freaking old star wars toys and old secret wars toys they just got all kinds of shit man so they are they are a fun place to go to and, and a great place to spend an hour or two for sure right on. so cool man all right, well let's let's uh, let's let's take this on home. Yes, so sir. On Instagram, you can find me. Actually, let's talk about email first. If you have any email questions you want to send us, we have an email address. It is makingcomicspodcast at gmail. You can feel free to send any questions, comments. Um, feel free to pour dirt on the Sixers. Although by this time they may have advanced to the next round. I have no idea because I'm not watching basketball right now. <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, man, hit us up. And of course, there are a bunch of ways to hit us up. I get most of my questions through other methods like Facebook Messenger, Instagram Messenger, you know, Carrier Pigeon, whatever, man. However you want to hit us up, we're here. Um, in terms of Instagram, you can find me at Keith underscore Decibel on Instagram. That is me. And at Kadoja Kaiju, one word, which is all things Kadoja.
1: And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, uh, SEOT. Whoa, hello. I know how to spell my name. S-C-O-T-T. Two T's in there for you people. L-O-S-T. Scoot S-C-O-T-T, <laughs> lost. S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T on Twitter and Instagram. And then Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. And I also do receive emails and messages on both of those platforms as well. So that's cool.
0: Yeah, man. Look at, look at all the ways you have to contact us. So, yeah, in terms of websites, KeithRFoster.com is all you need for that um you can obviously check out some of my articles on ihorror.com when i get a chance to write one and get it published and there's a kadoja page on keithrfoster.com as well so yeah man that's your one-stop shop for for me
1: yep you can pick up his books there too so uh, we appreciate there's some fans out there that are picking up our books uh, via our or uh, online stores and so you can find my books the second shift and wanders of Millisonda. Uh, on AccidentalAliens.com Second Shift is a tale of minimum wage workers during the day and superheroes at night and Wanders of Melisande Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs versus Humans uh, support us by picking up our books you get to read our books and we get money, it's pretty cool
0: and that means we get to make more books that much easier absolutely, so, yes, it's all good stuff so, what a, what a podcast man, we really covered wow. a lot this we, time t- we, so. took,
1: we took them around the world we- <laughs> every which way whether they wanted to go there or not exactly it's it's the
0: old george carlin line you assholes are going for a ride i'm going for a drive
1: (laughs) right that's excellent that's a great way to end the episode all
0: right we'll see you guys next week
1: yay yay